What up, artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast, and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity. And, you know, maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. Okay, so before we get into the episode today, I want to start out with my shout outs. We have Nikisha Burrows, fellow NASCAT alumni. She said she's been, she listened to the podcast for the first time last week and really connected with it. Thank you, Nikisha. Uh, AJ Burke on Twitter sent me a message saying that he's feeling what we're doing. So thank you for that. Today on the show, I have art superstar. <laughs> She's extremely humble. She doesn't. Uh, she doesn't seem to like that. But I'll let her describe what she does. Her name is Hangama Amiri. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So yeah, we're here at Pavia Gallery, and she's got. She showed me she's got some work out here at Art Gallery in Nova Scotia. Thank Just you. Casually <laughs> hanging up. No big deal. No um, big deal. <laughs> so what do you do? Um, I'm a painter, a video artist, and recently textile-based artist. <laughs> okay. So I noticed actually you incorporate a lot of textile into some of the work you do. How do you know when to incorporate mm-hmm. different elements? Is it, is it all just instinct with you or is there like some kind of... Um, well, currently I'm a student still, a second year at Yale School of Art. Yeah. So I kind of, um, the reason that I went to do my master's program was to uh, invest in a kind of experimental year. So I kind of put myself to experiment a lot with media, with material, and question those materials. So that's how kind of in my research, uh, slowly, slowly from like painting carpets and painting patterns, painting, uh, you know, cultural materials, it came into like, why not use the actual material and question those politically um, or socially or geographical, you know, questions. Uh, So that's how I kind of, uh, um, the textile became... um, one of the main uh, kind of material in yeah. my practice these days, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I also noticed you're using like gouache as well mm-hmm. and, and paper and um, is that like, is that so, sort of along those same lines? Is that, because I'm, I'm always like curious, like how do you, how do people come to those conclusions? Mm-hmm. Is that, um, like, cause okay, so when I think about paper, like paper being painted, mm-hmm. on, it seems to have like a shorter shelf life than say like a canvas or something else like that. Mm-hmm. Is that part of the statement you're you're trying to make? Um, absolutely. I think uh, gouache paint was the first medium that I used uh-huh. in my art uh, back in Tajikistan when I started school of arts. And, uh, it used to call it the, the Olimufu School of Art. Okay. And uh, their students used a lot of gouache paint to, uh-huh. to do a lot of pattern-based work, like Tajiki pattern-based work. So I think I was in love with that like um, material or with that medium on paper, those uh-huh. two mediums. So they always comes back to my studio practice as a study work. So okay. I study uh, the you know larger work that I want to produce, 
first so I said I do like studies with the gouache on paper first and then I you know transfer them into larger work with textile painting and using other different media on on the fabric too. Oh, smart. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, man, I'm more thinking like when I'm brainstorming these large paintings that I can't figure out what I want to do, uh-huh. I could just do a little study. Yes. yes. Study always have to come first. Ah, okay. Uh, I guess for me, unless for me. No, but <laughs> I did many, many studies. Yeah. That makes sense because we were talking earlier, and I was saying I have this idea for a painting, and I've been so afraid to start it, mm-hmm. and. Uh, this is actually useful. It's, yeah. I, if I could just map it out some way. It's like when you go to gym, you do warm-ups. Yeah. Right? So I, I, I pretty much like use it that way, like in that motif. Like I have to warm up my brain first. Mm-hmm. What am I trying to put or what am I trying to say or what am I trying to, uh, to do? Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of sketches, writings, readings even. Mm-hmm. It's also part of that uh, study. Okay, so let's take it back. So, where did you grow up? Um, I originally grew up uh, in Kabul, Afghanistan. Okay. Uh, so, but I was born in uh, in Pakistan, in Peshawar, Pakistan, in a refugee camp. Ah, okay. But soon, uh, when my parents uh, immigrated to you know back to Kabul, Afghanistan, so I opened my eyes in that land. So I call myself as an Afghan. Yeah. So you <laughs> don't really remember before no, those days. No, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, with that in mind, I noticed you incorporate some refugee-related material. Is that because you're trying to like go back to that like origin origin story of yourself? Um, yes, um, I think part of my practice was uh, deeply uh, entwined with these um, concepts of like migration or displacement, mm-hmm. or this kind of like having a body or having. A fragmented body, and what does that mean? Uh, and for me, it means to revisit back those childhood memories and revisit those materials that I used to wear, or that I used to see, or that I used to use them. You know, so it becomes very like questionable for me. And why were they? And what happened? You know, I'm always curious what happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now you're currently a student at Yale. When I think of Yale, I think. Man, that's like how do you like that you're out of here, right? That's those 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 schools you always hear about on TV. Um, how does one go? So I you went to NASCAD, Nova Scotia yes. College of Art and Design. How does one transition from NASCAD to Yale? Um, Yale was uh, even after graduating uh, NASCAD University, I really wanted to do my masters right away. I don't know, there was something in me that I wanted to do my school, or, or just like finish my school work and then uh, in, you know, like delve my time into studio practice. Yeah. But somehow, so Yale was part of my you know, program that I wanted to apply. So I took my time though. I, I applied first time and I didn't get it, to be mm-hmm. honest. And, and then I took my time, I was like, you know what, I have to really build my practice independently. Let's yeah. do a lot of artist residency. Um, and I used to follow a few artists during my artist residency that were doing master's degree at Yale. Yeah. So, and they were really developing, their practice were like really flourishing. And I had a potential in this university or in this program. Um, I saw like I could be in there and I want to be there and I want to see how strong this program is, you know. Yeah. So it was really curious for me from the beginning. But uh, luckily I think in 2015 I, I applied for my Canadian Fulbright uh, you know, fellowship 
and uh, that led me to go to Yale University as a researcher. Uh, so I was in the Council of East Asian Studies first for two years, almost two years. Okay. And that kind of got, uh, opened a lot of doors for me to really have a good close-up look into the program. And uh, my uh, lovely friend, uh, you know, Tira Al-Siddiqui used to be um, there and he graduated from uh, you know, Nazca University. Yep. Oh, God bless him right now. Uh, he's not with us today. Uh, sorry. Um, and um, I really thank him uh, for letting me to to sit, in, you know, like during the critiques, um, you know, time at Yale uh, School of Art. So it was really great opportunity for me to go there and yeah. sit and listen, uh, you know, to the critiques of students, of advisors. So it was really like a very good energetic um, space for me. I was like, this is it. it I want to see my work in, in this platform and right. see how people were critiqued because they were really engaged. Mm -hmm. And that engagement was something that was missing from my practice. Mm. Um, because even though I was doing artist residency around the world, it was still independent. I somehow missed being um, under the roof of institution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I applied and luckily I got in. So I did my interview and I was like, this is it. I'm okay. in. <laughs> So for you, it was that like a kind of seeing someone having that that person to bridge that connection for you, but then also once you were in that door, you saw how you could actually fit in there from a representation standpoint. Hmm. Interesting. Um, have you ever felt any kind of imposter syndrome when you're in there? Like, I'm not good enough to be here? Have you mm. felt that? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, not so much. I felt like I was the opposite of that. Okay, I, I like, love it. I'm the only one in this institution <laughs> to be good enough for them. Okay, okay, yes, yes. Because I believe in my, throughout my research, I believe uh, there hasn't been any Afghan artists or Afghan diaspora artists in yeah. the institution. So I feel really proud for myself. Like, finally. Maybe. Right, absolutely. <laughs> that um, it's like a really great opportunity to make a history as a as an Afghan represented artist in, in yeah. this institution or Ivy League institution. So yeah, it, it was opposite for me. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so I, I'm gonna dig into that actually a little bit. Please. So I'm an immigrant, I'm from Bermuda. Yes. I struggle with my identity sometimes. Mm -hmm. So for me I feel like I'm Bermudian first, Canadian second, mm -hmm. but then other times I really feel like a Canadian because as an adult I really came to be who I am here yeah. and as an artist in a lot of ways too. How do you, do you find you struggle with that at all? Um, yes, many times. I mean, okay. always. <laughs> I think it, it became me. You know, it, it pretty much became part of my identity. Yeah. Um, so I I call myself kind of like an Afghan Canadian artist. Yeah. So there's like an equilibrium identity between those, uh, because like I left Afghanistan when I was really young, mm -hmm. like six or seven years old. So yeah. I do have vivid memories, but yeah. they're really rare, like really barely. But I spend most of my adulthood 
time or mature time in Canada. Yeah. So I built like a small community in here, which are still very active, and I still come back, which I'm here right now with yes, you speaking yes. <laughs> and doing this podcast with you, which is so great. Thank you. Um, but but yeah, I do struggle, uh, or I did struggle a lot uh, during my undergrad at NASCAD, uh, just knowing who I am and why am I making work, or my you know why am I interested in portraiture paintings or figurative paintings. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were firstly based on uh, you know communities focusing in Halifax, like immigrant communities Halifax. Mm-hmm. I did a body of uh, work like portraiture works uh, based on those um, you know third world. Uh, kind of communities that were, you know, coming to Halifax and kind of questioning their life situation or their new life situations uh, in here or in this land. So those kind of small ideas or small projects got into, you know, got me into the idea of like, uh, I have to visit back. There was a thing for me that I was uh, really struggling, it's like who I was as an artist. I was young as well. Um, I think it was my third year of NASCA that I decided to go back to Afghanistan. I dedicated my time there to do or to meet these Afghan local women and kind of hear their stories and bring it back with me to Canada and to mm-hmm. my studio practice and kind of paint their voices on, onto canvas or on canvas. So those kind of uh, six individual Afghan heroines, I call them, that I met, it really changed my practice and my voice and my way of seeing things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm still connected to my own origin being. So it's like no matter where I go, I still am connected to that land, like yeah. to that neighborhood or to that, uh, you know, classmates or to, you know, like the spaces that I grew up pretty much. Yeah. So it's it's always a question. There's always a question, but I don't mind exploring it. Yeah. Because I grew from it, you know. I Every day, every day, I, I grew from it. Yeah. Do you, yeah, so do you find that you're less hung up on this idea of a singular identity based on geography mm-hmm. and that hey, I can be all of these things? Yeah. Uh, sometimes I do feel like, yes, I can be all of them. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's it's because we are all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, specifically, like, looking at the current, you know, political climate of, like, migrations and immigrants, you know, it's huge these days. And, you know, children are being, apart from their uh, mothers and their family, which is happening in the U.S. border right now, right? Yeah. Um, so we can question, like, we would wonder, like, how their life will turn out, you know? It's because I was one of them, maybe, you know? I could relate to those children yeah um, so I think it will be part of our new generation kind of identity crisis I would say yeah. uh, but it's as an artist it's good to express those it's good to uh, it's good to speak about them it's, uh, it's really good to make work about them mm-hmm. about those uh, ideas or about those experiences yeah for me I was resisting not resisting but I just wasn't as interested in my origin mm-hmm. per se um, uh, particularly connecting back to my African roots and because they're so disconnected from mm-hmm. whatever they are or where they are I didn't understand how to get back there and I'm finding through my work last year some of the projects I did it's kind of helped me connect with that a bit um, it's a, it's and it's a great feeling to to just be like this is who I am yeah. it's okay <laughs> absolutely um, absolutely I agree yeah so we like um, how do you feel, so like we talked about how 
it, your work feels like it's a, a dialogue between mm-hmm. Afghan and North American and the West world. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. do you, how do you feel like about dealing with the North American audience that might not understand mm-hmm. that type of work? Mm-hmm. Um, and do you ever feel pressure to make North American audiences feel comfortable with it when mm-hmm. they might not be? Mm-hmm. Um, I hope for me it's really important that my work should have like a universal kind of language than like uh, you know promoting myself into one nation or like uh, or into one audience like mm-hmm. I never um, I have never thought of that too. Okay. when I make work I feel like the whole world is in that work and yeah. it doesn't really matter for me if they will understand or if they not as long as they as long as like um, the idea or the material speaks with them, that's pretty much enough of access you can get to the audience. Right. So for me, um, it's really important how much access you want to give to the public mm-hmm. as an artist. So I have like a barrier. Yeah. Hmm. So for me, it's it's not like a. Uh, I mean, focus that I have to put be like. They have to understand this, like no one ever. So she's basically saying she's a badass and she doesn't care. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, so. But I'm uh, just. I, yeah, I think. But I'm really interested that uh, because the work that I'm making these days is uh, specifically uh, focuses on the complex relationship of representation of women's bodies yeah. in Islamic culture, okay. uh, specifically, or through looking through poetry, literature, and physical spaces. Um, so for me, if my Afghan audience could relate to what I'm working, it would be a huge success for me as an artist. I feel like when I make work, I make mm. work for Afghan women first. Uh-huh. Or I make for that audience. Like, that's my big audience. So are you, like, when you're, you're talking about that, are you saying you want Afghan women to think about how their bodies are <laughs> represented? Uh, not or? so much. It's like, um, it's like about kind of representation of that language and art okay. because they we have or they have never been represented or explored uh. and uh, I'm when I'm making work I'm thinking about my aunts I'm thinking about my mother uh, how their rights were taken you know during the Taliban regime. Yeah. So for me, those are the first uh, voices that comes through my work whenever mm. whenever I make work. So um, I feel like they are my first audience. It's uh, it's a weird thoughts, but somehow it's it gives me a lot of uh, courage. Interesting, because I mean they would have dealt with a lot. Yes. And like you said, the, you consider those women that you encountered as heroine mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm those stories are often probably not shared yes. or told or, or anything like that. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Okay, so we've talked about the work, we've talked about um, the origin story and the connection. What would you say is the hardest part? Actually, would you consider yourself a gallery artist and what is the hardest part about mm-hmm. being a, a, an artist in general or a gallery artist if you were to call yourself that? Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a gallery artist. I feel like um, I feel like being a gallery artist. It's like it compresses your thoughts most yeah. of the time. I feel like you make work what the gallery wants to sell. 
Huh. And I never been into that uh, ideas that yeah. much. Even though I tried in the past, right. and I just didn't have a good relation to work, you know, collaboratively in that platform. Yeah. So I feel like uh, one of my uh, prof from Nascot University um, advised me, or she told me when uh, you know once I got accepted to this university, uh, she said like uh, just be watchful of how this uh, place. Um, has a lot of galleries and kind of curators and they will mm -hmm. pretty much like come and, and grab your work. It's mm -hmm. like an uh, interest of like, you know, taking out from the artists. Okay. <laughs> um, and she was like, just be careful. Uh, you, you just don't want to end up another New Yorker decorative art, you know, mm -hmm. decorator art. So she said like, be, be very cautious of like uh, finding those competitive artists who work, uh, who work politically or who work socially. Yeah. That could kind of benefit you in the future, in the long run, you know. So that's much more competitive or that's much more important than like making work for the certain group of interest right know? or you know she was I think mentioning the commercial side of arts yeah. than being the institutional side of art so there's two difference okay um, and I think I took her advice since you know day first when I got into that program so for you if if you're not so focused on the commercial side <laughs> how does one find buyers for the work um, I do have a lot of interest in my work, okay. which uh, they are really interested to collect work and okay. all that. But I like that if the work will travel institutional kind of spaces first before it will come to the hands of collectors. Oh, okay. So I do have like a boundary for myself. Like I don't mind people, you know, collecting my work. I would love that because majority of artists do make money out of that to buy materials and keep making work. Yeah. And sometimes I do depend on that. Yes. I, I work as a freelancer sometimes. I'm like, okay, it's time to yeah. <laughs> find collectors or, or what's or not. But I, um, most of the time my focus is like how how to find those platform or community to be engaged with in mm. order to make have my work to travel. So basically you're you're finding that balance of doing those things that help you feel pure and stay true mm -hmm. to your vision but then balancing it with okay so this will help me generate revenue for a bit this brings me back to my mm -hmm. true mission mm -hmm. that sort of thing mm -hmm. it's really important for artists to build a community right i think a community of artists that speaks well within your voice within your race or within your cultural background. yeah um, i think it's really important to have that especially that we live in today's societies yeah either in canada wherever you are your political charts literally I, I'm interested that you brought that up. So I've been criticized lately for my uh, recent, and like sorry, like I said, in my work, I started to really start to embrace my African roots a bit more, um, and just say, look, I'm proud of who I am, and it seems to have brought on uh, anger from certain people. Interesting. <laughs> They're like you're not Canadian anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll be I'll be nice and just say it brought on anger. Um, how do you feel about that? Have you like you said you 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 don't feel pressure to change your work or anything like that? For me, I didn't feel pressure to change it either. But 
it reiterated to me how important it is to to embrace that but it also showed me that why we need these communities because there are groups of people that don't understand that some of us don't Mm -hmm. necessarily have a community built in and my work that I was mm-hmm. creating helped me connect with other people who were interested in that similar topic and building a community. Yeah, that's good. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So, on the other side of it, like you're you're done school. Mm-hmm. Let's say we're we're in the future. All the collectors and everybody else are chasing you and trying to get your your work on their TV shows and everything else and licensing deals and all that kind of stuff. Um, do you have a vision of what um, it looks like for you after being out of school? Um, it's a very difficult question to, to answer, I would say, because uh, for me, I'm still like in the zone of my studio space and I haven't thought outside of it yet yeah. even though I do have plans but uh, I'm not expecting too much of them you know in a okay. sense um, but part of my goal is to be a still active artist to be a, how to be a full-time artist and that's like one of my goals for like let's say five years okay. uh, I set up myself like in between five years I will still be active um, focusing on the states maybe or yeah. maybe um, hopefully going back to Afghanistan and making an exhibition there so that's another part of plan to so just like the idea of like just keeping making work just keep you know keeping myself to make more work and mm-hmm. reach out literally um, that would be one of them uh, the other idea was to maybe uh, do you know teaching positions oh, okay to teach in universities or just whatever I gained as an artist so you know to reflect back yeah you know t- to the students and other community or other places so that was kind of another plan that I'm planning to do um, but my main interest is to be full-time artist <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to keep making work and find a studio somewhere in the States hopefully after okay. graduate yeah. okay cool is there one piece of advice that you would offer anyone who wants to be uh, like I deal with a lot of people in the graphic design sort of mm-hmm. space and illustrators and stuff like that but I haven't met too many full-time artists mm-hmm. is there any like in that in the capital A sense uh, so is there anything that you would give advice to for people who maybe are just starting out and they think man this like the traditional art space is where I see myself mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. Um, I think it will sound cheesy but it really helped me I mean it's always helps me um, or there's like a, a voice echoing in my head always it's like never give up mm, okay. it's always um, been in my head it's like even the times that comes really hard and you have literally like no money to make work even you know I've been through times like that and it will it will always be beside me <laughs> yeah but part of me obviously like never give up just keep making work mm. just keep like reaching the things that you wanted to achieve uh, or the dreams that you have yeah. they are like very childhood kind of advices too but they do help in this adult of life <laughs> mm-hmm. it's very promising okay 
So um, another advice would be uh, for my follow artists is just like um, keep that community, like the artistic community that you built, and make it even more, make it even bigger, make it even louder. Yeah. You know, and that's really important for us to be loud and, and open. Right. Um, open to any political discussions or any sort of um, you know uh, you know dialogue, mm-hmm. engagement dialogue. Um, but also just like uh, also like supporting other artists yeah know, just going to exhibitions going to shows going to artist talks or listening to this podcast like reaching out to this you know uh, these are part of this community building and mm-hmm. i'm so happy that what you are doing doing so thank you that's why i'm like i want to be in here <laughs> yes thank you so that's really important for us to have and you know what i have to give nascat a shout out because of course this probably would have happened if it wasn't for nascat because of course we were both, we're both NASCAR alum, and mm-hmm. we were both featured in mm-hmm. uh, a campaign that they did where they had posters of different alum. Yeah, I remember that. Yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 and I first found out about Angama through that. So it was, it's uh, yeah. created, it's created, it's helped create some kind of community. So yeah, I think I was also introduced to you by that. Yes. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. It's just, it's important <laughs> for us to not be afraid to say, "Hey, look, we made this thing or we accomplished this thing." I know mm-hmm. artists don't like to like brag and, and mm-hmm. show off too much, but yeah. sometimes it's important to uh, at least be present and visible. Um, I agree. And just yeah, yeah celebrate the wins. Uh, you know what? I have another question. Please do. That you might not want to answer. Do you, how do you feel about pricing your work? Is that Mm. something that is difficult for you? Is that something that you base on the market you might be trying to get your work into? Because I've dealt with a lot of artists who talk about accessibility and they don't Mm -hmm. want to price their work at a certain level because they want it accessible to certain communities. Mm -hmm. However, I'm going to be 100 that's not going to pay my rent to, to make something accessible. So how do you, do you, does that concern you? Does that? It's, it's a good question because a lot of artists do ask me this question. It's, um, it really depends where you at. Um, and just like considering what, what kind of art community you're, you know, selling your work to. Yes. Uh, so seeing the art market as well, that's very smart too. Yeah. to be aware of. Uh, like recently I was in Jacksonville, Florida yeah. and I heard that the art market is really low compared to what I was selling my work in New York City. So it's like a huge gap, it's like drop, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally drop. But um, at the end, uh, you want to be, you know, and those things like you want to make connection, you want to have your work into those homes, so that way you, you know, once you have those works into those homes, you already build a community within that space. Mm-hmm. So price doesn't matter in those situations. So mm-hmm. I, I would say, like, go with the market, mm-hmm. uh, whatever the market tells you, just be in that zone. But if you're, like, in the other cities that, like, the artist is one of the hot kind of objects in, in that society, then be really smart and wise about it. Yeah. You don't want to sell your work uh, too low to devalue your practice and not too high to risk the future mm-hmm. of your prices. For yeah. example, um, what I do in my practice is like I 
I see which which artwork I sold the most and how high was that you know what was the price range and through that I go step by step higher not too high that would really damage your practice as an artist because um, once you go too high then when you become famous let's say yeah and most galleries and most collectors could not afford to buy that much high uh, you know prices so you have to be uh, you have to kind of have like a balance yeah within how you want to keep your practice in that rhythm mm. of like a stability for a longer run right so just be wise on that um, yeah, so that would be my small advice. And also, would you say it matters too if you are interested in making a living at your work, or if it say it's just a hobby and you're just selling it? And in that case, maybe it doesn't matter as much. Or do you feel like those hobbyists are hurting the industry as a whole when they mm -hmm. underprice? Mm -hmm. um, I like the idea of like living. Uh, making a living out of my work. Yeah. I love that. Uh, it's like it reminds me of Van Gogh sometimes <laughs> mm -hmm. When I see that, you know, it's a hunger and the work. Yes, which one comes first, right? The work comes uh, before you uh, so for me, it's really important to to kind of um, Have like a goal for my work, you know, for example, if I am making making work and it's selling some points so I'll go to that road and it's fine, mm -hmm. it's all works, it's fine. Um, and then I'll keep that and make a savings and then for another five years or two years just like solidly, you know, putting myself into research base and not selling. Mm. So I have that balance with me. There are years that I don't want to sell and want to keep the best work for myself. Wow. Now, that's another good point. Always keep the best work to yourself. Keep the best work. So keep what? The best work that you want to keep, always keep them to yourself. Like don't sell them. <laughs> just to keep you keep like your your favorite do, pieces yes. with you. Yes. Yeah. I have many actually. <laughs> That's interesting. You know what? So I'll give you a story. The please do. The one painting I've ever mm -hmm. sold. <laughs> I only so sold sweet. one. <laughs> Yay. Um, it was that idea. It was, uh, I was just in Bermuda College, I didn't know what I was doing or whatever, and I had painting, a painting up in a group show, and there was someone coming in from New York, mm -hmm. and they stopped in and they loved the painting, but I had priced it at a price that I thought I would never sell a painting at, mm -hmm. so because it was something that I wanted to keep for myself, <laughs> so I said, you know, I'll just give it this high price that I know yeah. no one would ever buy. And the person came and was like, yeah, I want it. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> I didn't so know what to in do. that case, part of you wanted to sell, but part of you also wanted to keep the painting. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, pl plot twist. You'll never know. You'll, you'll be surprised sometimes. Yeah, you'll be surprised. Yeah. be surprised. I sold my soul in that instance. I'm sorry to say. Yeah. I did sell the painting. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, no, that, that's, that's very interesting. Um, it's like Kanye West, actually. He used mm. to say that when he was, uh, you know, coming up as a producer, he would right, uh, right, right. keep the best beats yeah. for himself and yeah. sell the other ones to everybody else. Yeah, uh, it's again that question of like accessibility. 
Yeah. I was talking about that I think earlier. Um, accessibility is really important. Uh, how much of yourself you wanted to um, give to the public, and mm. how much of it you wanted to keep it for future growth. Yeah. 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 Cool. So is there anywhere like how can my people get in touch with you? Mm, I'm a little bit active this is on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> I do post my recent works, my recent studio work, and uh, especially like the works that I'm creating at Yale University. So please follow me. You know, follow me there. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Hamdam Amiri. Just search okay. that. Hopefully, it will come. Um, I do have a website as well. The same thing, Hamdam Amiri. Uh, if you Google, everything will be there. Um, I do have Twitter, but I'm kind of new to Twitter okay. situations. <laughs> but I'm getting used to it slowly, slowly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And now I'll have links to all of that stuff in the mm-hmm. bio for the show and all of that good stuff. Um, and I want to thank you for coming on Art Pays Me. Thank you for having me, Dwayne. It's been a pleasure being here. Yes. And we're going to do a photo shoot tomorrow, so I'm looking Yay. forward to that. So. <laughs> I'm really excited too. Yes. <laughs> Thank you you so much for listening to the Art Pays Me podcast. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. If you got anything out of this show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets, and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, hit me up at artpaysme.com or at ArtPaysMe on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. See y'all next time.